most of you that are married or in a relationship, can you, can you remember the first time that you, that you met your significant other? And even for those who aren't married, I'm sure there's been someone who's captured your heart. Can you, uh, can you remember the, the, the first time you met them, that there was just like an excitement and a joy and, and, and any little small note that they would write to you, it's like you would always go back to it and you wanted to read it again. And, and this was like at 10 in the morning. Then you'd go back at 1 and you wanted to read it again. And you just wanted to read it again. And it, and it gave you just so much joy to even just have that note in your pocket or in your purse, right? It just, I mean, sometimes you would actually even just put it by your heart because just thinking of this love that you had just found and, and, and it just overwhelmed you, right? That's, uh, that's, that's, that's what we're to do with the Word of God. Uh, today we're going to be starting with the doctrine of the Word of God and we're going to see what um, the, the, the different aspects of that. But, you know, Scripture is this humongous note. Many have called it a love letter, but it's written to those who belong to Christ. And the same feeling that we had when we met that person that just swept us off from our feet. You know, we should have uh, the same joy when we, when we carry this. I mean, it, it should be like joy, right? And, and it should cause us to run to it all throughout the day. And I just want to read this reminder. And he wrote this for me. He wrote this to me, right? I was remembering this morning when, you know, kind of revisiting my first love with God and remembering that, you know, this thing went everywhere with me. It went to the restroom with me. It went everywhere. And I took my kids to doctor's appointments. This book was underneath my, my arm, and I, and I read it every single place. I would wake up at 2 in the morning because I fell asleep reading this, and, and, and it just gives you so much comfort. But there's a difference from the note that we receive from the person who sweeps us off of our feet. And, and, and this right here, the difference is, is that that other person's they, they'll fail us, right? They, sometimes a lot of them have left us and forsaken us, right? But God will never leave us and forsake us. And these problems are, these, these, these words are everlasting. And so as we dig it in, right, deeper, that's how we want to see this. We want to draw closer to this word that the Bible says it's living, it's active. I mean, if you could really look at it, it there's a heartbeat there. It's breathing. Right. Uh, COVID-19 doesn't have anything on this. Uh, pneumonia can't take the breath away from this. Right. This thing does not need a ventilator. It doesn't need life support, but it is the life support. Right. And so we're going to look into the doctrine of the word of God today. And. And I pray that it gives us a better insight. You know, I was thinking this week and um, this is not just our only study. Right. We, we, we read the Bible of uh, the word of God and we, we we study it. And of course, this is a supplement. It helps us to put things together. But it doesn't also negate the fact of our devotion to God. It's very important, right, to spend our personal time with God. Um, listening to sermons is great. Uh, you know, all of those things. But sitting in the stillness before God to hear what is it he might speak to our lives or uh, and, and, and I'm not talking about this, you know, crazy charismatic type stuff. But God does speak to our hearts 
And He moves in us and He, and he moves through us. And that, that is also important as part of the supplement as all this comes together. This is equipping us. We're learning what the Bible says. We're learning what uh, it really means because one thing that I was thinking about this week was a situation that I was faced uh, many years ago when I received a phone call and I answered the phone and on the other line was the voice of a female and this woman said, uh, what good reason can you give me right now for me to not take my life? Because if you don't give me a good enough of a reason when we hang up, I'm done. Now, uh, I, I can't just come at her with doctrine. Right. That's not going to interest her. She needs to hear some words of life. But doctrine is important because I need to make sure what I tell her is true. And so you have to put that all into perspective. But experience with God also comes into play when you know what you're going to be administering. It's like a doctor. We can't just uh, just hand out whatever people want. Now, I know today they might just give antidepressants to everybody just because I've got a stomachache. But see, we got to know what we're going to prescribe to people. And of course, that comes by the, the influence of God and His Holy Spirit and the understanding of what it is. What can we tell them? What is true? What's going to be tangible for them? What can they grasp onto, right? Or what is going to be a lie that we're sharing with them? We don't want to do that. So the doctrine of the Word of God. Now, most of you have, have the handouts and can follow through. As we're going through it, we'll fill in the letters and the numbers as we, as we go uh, through them. So in this, uh, in this teaching, in this doctrine, what, we're going to see what are the different forms of the Word of God, right? Because the Word of God, we hear it a lot. Well, what is it? Well, what, you know, what does the phrase mean, Word of God? And there's several different meanings that we're going to... Uh, look at it and can be applied. They're taken from this phrase in the Bible. But it's important and it's helpful to be able to distinguish all of these different forms. It's important that they're clear. And so number, uh, actually the first one, letter A is what we'll start out at. And that is going to be the Word of God as a person, Jesus Christ. The Word of God is a person, Jesus Christ. That is the first uh, one that we'll look at. So sometimes the Bible refers right to the Son of God as the Word of God. In Revelation 19, 13, John sees the risen Lord Jesus in heaven and says, The name by which he is called is the Word of God. Now, in the beginning of John's gospel, uh, we see that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, how do we know that it's talking about Jesus? Because lower down in that chapter, in verse 14, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And we beheld His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. Now, those verses... Um, along with 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, are the only instances where the Bible refers to God as the Son, as the Word, or the Word of God. But it doesn't indicate that among the members of the Trinity, it is especially God the Son who is who in His person as well. As in His words, 
has the role of communicating the character of God to us and of expressing the will of God for us. I mean, it's pretty clear, right? So there's two phrases that Scripture uses, right? The Greek word logos and the Greek word rhema for the word of God. Now, we know that John chapter 1, we just spoke of the Word of God as a person, Jesus Christ. That is the Logos. He is the Logos. Jesus Christ Himself is the Word. This Scripture here is the Word of God, is the Logos of God. Then you hear the word Rhema. Romans, right? Chapter 10, verse 17 says... Um, that through the hearing of the word of God, so how faith is produced, right? And so that word of God is the rhema word of God. So we're going to get a little bit more clear because the rhema word of God is as the spoken word of God. And, and we're going to break that down a little bit more. But when somebody speaks the word to you, uh, a minister up front is, is now professing the the rhema word of God by the logos, right? Uh, when somebody speaks to you of the Lord, it's, a, it's the rhema word of God. It's the spoken word of God. And those are the, the three or the other four that we're going to break down because so letter B that you have is going to be seen as the word of God as speech by God, the spoken word of God. And we're going to break that down into four different ones. But the first one is going to be God's decrees. Sometimes God's words take the form of powerful decrees that cause events to happen or even cause things to come into being. God said, let there be light and there was light. Genesis 1 verse 3. God even created the animal world by speaking His powerful word and said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. Thus the psalmist can say, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all their hosts by the breath of His mouth. That's Psalm 33. Verse 6, these powerful creative words from God are often called God's decrees. When God speaks and something happens. A decree of God is a word of God that causes something to happen. These decrees of God include not only the events of the original creation, but also continuing existence of all things. For Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 tells us that Christ is continually upholding the universe by the word of power. So it is the, God, the decrees of God, what God speaks, and it happens. As a matter of fact, was it last week, Sunday, last Wednesday, and we talked about speaking things into existence, and that is something that we do not do uh, as, as people of God, but it's something that God does, right? Romans 4, 17 says that God speaks those things that are not as if they are. So there wasn't light, and he said, be light, light was. 
Now, this is important. Why? Because you will hear it. You will hear it, especially in a lot of charismatic circles, hyper charismatic. And they say, well, all you have to do is speak that into existence. Well, that's not necessarily how it works. Why is it important to know that? Well, because if not, you're going to be speaking a lot and a lot and a lot. And many times nothing happens. And so then you have to try to make a, an excuse of why it's not happening or you end up being frustrated or, I mean, now you can start to see that's why, yeah, I can see error there now. I can see why I've brought this upon myself, this chaos that's in my life, this, this disorder. I can see why it's happening now, right? The second, number two. It's going to be God's words of personal address. That's number two in the word of God as speech by God is his words of personal address. God sometimes communicates with people on earth by speaking directly to them. This can be called instances of God's word of personal address. Of course, the examples are all throughout Scripture, but we see at the very beginning of creation that God spoke to Adam. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Genesis chapter 2. After the sin of Adam and Eve, God still comes and speaks directly and personally to them in the words of the curse which is in the next chapter, Genesis chapter 3. Another prominent example of God's direct personal address to people on earth is found in the giving of the Ten Commandments. God spoke these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land, out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. And all of the scriptures are there for ref reference. I won't necessarily call them all out, for the sake of time, but they are there. And I would uh, encourage you to go back and look them up. These, these notes are for you to go back and, and line everything up. In the New Testament, at Jesus' baptism, right? God the Father spoke with a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 3. In these and several other instances where God spoke the words of personal address to individual people, it was clear to the hearers that these were the actual words of God. They were hearing God's voice, His very voice. They were therefore hearing the words that had absolute divine authority and that were absolutely trustworthy. To disbelieve or disobey any of these words would have been to disbelieve or disobey God, and therefore it would have been sin. Though the words of God's personal address are always seen in Scripture to be the actual words of God, they are also human words in that they are spoken in ordinary human language that is immediately understandable. The fact that these words are spoken in human language does not limit their divine character or authority in any way. They are still entirely the words of God spoken by the voice of God himself. So when we speak the word of God, the true word of God, it is still 
his word that was spoken by him, but it takes on, as Jesus became incarnate, he, he, he took on flesh to become visible. Uh, the words don't become visible, right? But they become audible because they come through our mouth, through our larynx, through our voice box. Now, some theologians have argued that since human language is always in some sense imperfect, any message that God addresses to us in human language must also be limited in its authority or truthfulness. But these passages and many others that record instances of God's words of personal address to individuals give no indication of any limitation of the authority or truthfulness of God's words when they are spoken in human language. Quite the contrary is true, for the words always place an absolute obligation upon the hearers to believe them and to obey them fully. Again, to disbelieve or disobey any part of them is to disbelieve or disobey God himself. So the words spoken by people, this is important because see, today in the day and age that we live in, there's a lot of people who say, they'll come up to you and say, God told me to tell you. Have you had it done? Right? Or it could be a televangelist on, on TV and the Lord told me to speak to you right now. You watching. And you're thinking, man, he, he's talking to me. But he's not. I mean, they're slick, and that's how they'll get you. That's how they got me. I ain't too ashamed to say it. They got me. <laughs> but they, they will. And so a lot of people are going to come and say, God told me to tell you so and so and so. Or I felt the Lord speak to me. Well, can it be true? Absolutely. But when you understand the word of God in its essence and you know what it says, then you know whether you can basically receive that word to say, okay. Now, it's important. Why? Because oh, I've seen many people that they say, well, you're going to be a pastor. And 30 minutes later, they're trying to find a building to rent so that they can open up a church. Right? Uh, best thing to do. Now, Paul, writing to the church in Thessalonica, said, um, don't despise prophecies. Don't despise them, but test them. Test them and hold fast to that which is good. How do you test them? You test them through the authenticity of Scripture. Basically, what I like to say, uh, whatever they say, put it on ice. Let it chill. Let it chill. Let God cause it to come to pass if it's going to pass. If, it's gonna, if it was from God, it will happen. If it wasn't from God, then it won't. Now, there's not necessarily, uh, you know, unless the Lord really just moves in your heart to, to, to speak to this certain individual. It's not something that we just have to, you know, try to come and say, well, you're just a you're you're a false prophet or, or you're operating wrong. Um, I mean, if if there is an opportunity, of course, again, this we have to have the compassion, the gentleness, the meekness. But uh, Paul said, don't despise it. Just take it. Test it. Hold fast to that which is good. If it's not, toss it out. Just get rid of it. But it's important that once we know the Word of God, we're familiar with the Word of God. 
That's what we do on Sundays. We're becoming familiar with the Word of God, and here we are bringing more light to it as to, okay, this is true, this is what it means, this is what it doesn't mean. Because I'll tell you right now, if any one of you came up to me right now and said, the Lord told me to tell you that, let's see, what's a good one? The Lord told me to tell you that, you know, I, I need some counsel, but I need you to go with me to such and such place, a sports bar, but have a drink and talk about it. I mean, I know that's nobody's probably going to come and tell me that I'm being a little uh, exaggerating. But of course, I know that the word of God is not going to say that it does not line up. And God is not going to say that like this individual that I said that I knew that was going through a divorce. He still wasn't divorced, but he calls me up and he says, I met this woman and I know that the Lord sent her to me right away immediately. No. That's error. That's not that's not moving. That has nothing to do. God is not going to contradict himself. God is not going to send you a woman when you're still married because that goes against his word. Right. So you test it. Doesn't hold up. Does it filter through scripture? Get rid of it. Now, again, providing the place and the opportunity, I did tell this individual, look, some people might not tell you, but I'm going to tell you the truth. That is not God. God did not send you that woman. God would not do that. I'm sorry whoever told you that, but that's not the way that it works. And of course, I probably didn't hear from him for a good two months. But at least he heard the truth of who God is. But see, and, and it's easy, right? I mean, it's not to make fun of anything, but any of us can fall in that crevice of, Wanting to understand because our flesh is pulling and saying, oh, yes. And, 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 and so it's important as we're putting this together to understand. Now, can God speak to you? What if uh, so, uh, somebody comes or I come to you and say, you know, God just, you, you know, really, I was praying for you this morning and he just uh, uh, put this on my heart. And so I'm just going to share it with you for whatever, whatever it's worth. But you know that that whatever I had to say just spoke right into your heart then you can probably say that was a word from the Lord, whether it be encouragement and it could be even admonishment, right? Warning somebody like Nathan, when he went to, to David, remember there's a, there's this man who had a, a, a lamb. That's all he had. And, and this other guy came and, and, and he took it from him. And David got mad and said, that guy needs to die. And the prophet said, you're that, you're that man. And he was cut to the heart, right? And it caused him to come to repentance. And so um, as we're going, we're starting to going to see the importance of seeing these things. Now, there's a lot of questions that are going to start to rise up. OK, let's not get ahead of ourselves because we are going to address things. Remember, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit eventually. And when we get there, we're going to talk about certain things that that will cover questions that, that may rise up. But it's all going uh, in order and hopefully everything will start to fall into place. But number three. That we're going to look at is God's words as uh, speech through human lips. And this goes into play is what we were talking about, because we see in Scripture that uh, God raises up prophets. We see them all in Scripture. We have the major prophets. We have the minor prophets. And by major and minor doesn't mean that some were greater than others because actually some of the minor prophets were just as great as the major ones. What it means is their length of time that they were ministering on the earth. 
The minor prophets weren't doing it as long as the major prophets, such as Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Isaiah. Now, it's, it's evident that although those were human words spoken in ordinary human language by ordinary human beings, the authority and the truthfulness of their words is in no way diminished. They're still completely God's words as well. How do we know? Because we read them today in Scripture. And next week we should be getting into the canon of Scripture so we'll understand how that came into being. But in Deuteronomy chapter 18, God says to Moses, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever uh, will not give heed to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the word... But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. That's Deuteronomy 18. I guess a lot of the self-proclaimed prophets today don't read Deuteronomy 18. Or they have gotten the understanding that we are in the new covenant, so there is no more stoning per se but see this is where it comes into play for all of us because we know that those are the ones we need to keep our distance from we need to just mark them as paul said and separate ourselves uh we're living in this election right now where there was a lot of prophecies about donald trump winning the second term and because of it people are going crazy they they, they love it and what I've been seeing on social media and the internet is a lot of these said prophets now are trying to justify what they said. Well, actually, um, this is actually the way or what if God meant this. They're trying to justify themselves rather than just coming up front and saying, look, I, you know what? I spoke out of place. I was wrong. I apologize. It's the best thing that they could do. But they're trying to justify it. And actually, I think what they're doing is digging themselves deeper, deeper in the error that they're already operating in. Now, can God, uh, can God give us a vision? Can God give us a dream? Uh, I would say absolutely yes. And again, we're going to get to that point when we get there. But everything that we hear, everything that people have to tell us, everything that we see, uh, then we have to filter it through Scripture, be it a dream, be it a, a vision that we have, be it something that somebody told us, something that we hear, uh, even on Sunday mornings, right? We put it all through Scripture. Now, a lot of times we don't do the work of a Berean because we're so busy. But it's important to go back to Scripture and say, okay, uh, this lines up, this, this, I'm not too sure. Again, then put that on ice. But the rest of it, I mean, we can connect the dots. We have everything that we need to be equipped. I mean, America, we're so spoiled. We have concordances. We have commentaries. We have, you name it. There's no excuse for the illiteracy that's happening in the church right now. And there is a lot. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing systematic theology, to try to build up that understanding and that knowledge. Why? Not so that you can be glorified, 
Definitely not so that I can be glorified, not even so the name of New Vision would be glorified, but so that the name of Jesus Christ would be glorified. Because when we operate in that proper function, then, of course, He'll be glorified. You know, like when our kids are, are well-mannered and they just act really good and we go somewhere and, and somebody says, you know, ma'am, sir, you, you've got some very well-behaved children. And I just want to compliment you on that. Makes us proud as parents, right? It's the same thing with God. When we know how to conduct ourselves and do these things, it's pleasing to God. And Paul said, we make it our aim to be pleasing to the Lord. Now, going back to God's words, his speech through human lips, God made a similar statement through uh, Jeremiah. Because remember, Jeremiah probably, uh, he was a weeping prophet. He, he wept a lot, but man, he was really bold. It says, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. And God tells Jeremiah, whatever I command you, you shall speak. And there's plenty of scripture references there. It says, anyone who claimed to be speaking for the Lord, but who had not received a message from him was severely punished. Remember, God told Jeremiah, those people, uh, they, they, they run, but I didn't send them. They speak, but I did not give them a word. It's because they weren't from me. They tell the people, peace, peace, when there is no peace. God didn't say that. God is not going to bring judgment upon you. you got, you're doing good. Continue. But he basically called them cowards. He basically said they have no spine. They have no backbone. And, and it just infuriated God. And his patient continued and continued his patience. Till finally he said, okay, enough is enough. He had to slam the gavel. And the judgment was proclaimed. Jeremiah 29. You're fixing to be taken captive for 70 years. Now, because of it, Jeremiah wasn't very well liked. He was put in bars and stocks. I mean, he was hated. They wanted to kill him, just like they plotted to kill Jesus. They plotted to kill Lazarus. They plotted to kill Jeremiah. Now, when you read Ezekiel, Ezekiel goes on to be even more. It's like, wow, Ezekiel, uh, his wife uh, was taken from him by the Lord. And the Lord said, and you're not even going to be allowed to mourn for her. You're not going to shed a tear for her. And it's like. Imagine being a prophet like that, you know, uh, you're going to have to lay on one side for so many amount of days and then you're going to have to lay on the other side simply to make a statement of what I'm trying to say. And, and cooking his food uh, using, using a dung as an, an ignite charcoal, if you will. But these are the things that the, that the prophets endured for God. Now, they definitely were mouthpieces for the Lord. But there was also mouthpieces that were not of the Lord. And the people were prone to want to listen to the other. And everybody thought, I'm good with God because this guy's saying over here that God's not going to do that. That's not how God operates. And that's the same kind of voice that's happening in the church today. I'm not going to say that there's prophets because I don't, I don't, I don't believe that... Uh, People can claim a, a capital P prophet, but there's people who come and they want to proclaim the word of God and say, no, God, that, that's not what the word of God means. This is the way that it is. But we read scripture, but that's not that's not true. It doesn't line up with what you're saying. But there's a lot of people who are following it when it comes to 
like I said, a, a woman saying, well, I want to be a man. I mean, we have people who are greedy little kids now saying, if that's what you want to be, go ahead. I mean, whatever happened to kids saying, I want to grow up and be a, a police officer or a baseball player. Yeah, you can be that now. They've gone over and beyond. No, I, I want to be, I want to be a man. You can do it and we'll support you. I'll take you to the doctor and we'll get you these uh, 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 pills that will stunt your hormones so that you can change it. It's like we have to stand. We have to know this word so that when we know it, we stand. We don't buckle because it's very easy. It's very easy if you're not rooted in Christ to have someone close to you that tries to go a wrong way, be it down the way of uh, same gender relationships or even drug addiction to just uh, be passive and say, well, it, it's OK. I, I love them. I got to love them. Well, of course, yes, you love them. But the biblical love says you're still going to stand your ground. Yeah, but they don't have a place to stay, so I'm going to give them a place to stay here at home. And, uh, you know, I mean, well, yeah, they come and visit. No, you can stay at my house, but that person's not coming to my house. That's just the way that it is. We have to stand our ground on what we believe in. Because this, again, as I said on Sunday, what's happening right now is a byproduct of lukewarm Christianity. Following Christ from a distance. All of this chaos that's happening in the world. Yeah, people want to blame Democrats and, and, and the left. Uh, it's not going to happen. I would say I was part of that problem too. Because I was a said Christian, but I really wasn't a, a true Christian. So I was just passive about everything. I'm, I'm partly to blame for that as well. All of us are. When we're following at a distance. So these prophets are there and we have to know how to distinguish the two. Thus, God's words spoken through human lips were considered to be just as authoritative and just as true as God's words of personal address. There was no diminishing of the authority of these words when they were spoken through human lips. Again, to disbelieve or disobey any of them was to disbelieve or disobey God himself. And number four. Is God's words in written form, the Bible, Scripture. In addition to God's words of decree, God's words of personal address, and God's words spoken through the lips of human beings, we also find in Scripture several instances where God's words were put in written form. The first of these is found in the narrative of the giving of the two tablets of stone on which were written the Ten Commandments. And he gave to Moses when he had made an end of speaking with him upon Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. And the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God graved upon the tables. Going back to that, you hear so many people even today um, decreeing and declaring. I see it a lot. I see it a lot. But you know what's strange is I don't ever seem de declare, declaring and decreeing when it comes to God, do whatever you have to do in my life to cause me to be so devout to you 
to be pursuing you with a passion that, God, if I don't have time for anything else in the day, let it just be for you. They don't decree and declare that. But they decree and declare when they say somebody tells them that 2021, you're fixing to receive every promise that God said he has for you. I declare that and I decree it. But if you want to know the truth, it's empty. That's not Christianity. Now, we have a lot of promises from God. And there is a lot of blessings to be had from God. I'm not trying to negate that. But that's not how we're going to receive them. By vainly declaring and decreeing. And it is rampant in the church. If declaring and decreeing was a wildfire, then it would be out of control right now. The church is burning down. I mean, this is serious. Now, you have to understand what declaring and decreeing means. But see, they're trying to do it in the way that God would do it. We're going to make this happen. We're going to speak it into existence. I receive it. You know, I don't receive it. Well, I mean, the fact about receiving it, when someone tells you something, you can either accept it. Okay, I, I'm listening to what you have to say. And I'll ponder on it when I leave. That's receiving it. And when you don't receive it, it's, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I heard everything you said, but I ain't even going to think about it. But people are so quick to just want to just, I don't receive it. You hear it all the time too with that. Well, uh, sorry, ma'am, you have COVID-19. I don't receive that. But yet the test said you were positive. I still don't receive it. Or here's some divorce papers from your wife. I don't receive it. Take them back. That's not how it works, right? Can we say, I don't receive it? No, we, I mean, it's going to happen. But the whole concept of receiving and not, is the fact that, okay, I'll, I'll take it, I'll ponder it, I'll listen to it. And then we see what, uh, what, what God reveals to us from there after that. Again, but through Scripture, we'll start to see. It'll start to come too. Further writing was done by Moses in his written form, so he wrote the Ten Commandments. Then Moses, Moses wrote the law and he gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant and, and of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, At the end of every seven years you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children, who have not known it, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. Deuteronomy chapter 31. You see the importance of what God was doing every seven years uh, to read it. Because after these generations grow up, there's a tendency to want to stray. There's always a tendency to want to just write the song that we sing. It says prone to wonder. Prone to wonder. We're prone to wondering, but we need to be reminded. I mean, God gives the children of Israel a serious charge from Deuteronomy 6 all the way through throughout the wilderness. He gives them a charge to teach the children in the morning, at noontime, in the evening, when you sit down to eat uh, as you're walking, write it down as frontlets before your eyes. The Word of God, the things that we should do, and, and, uh, and to, uh, to monitor all of that. The book which Moses wrote was then deposited by the side of the Ark of the Covenant when Moses had finished writing the words of this law in a book to the very end. And Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, take this book of the law and put it 
by the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against you. You see what the Word of God is for us? It's a witness against us. A witness to keep us in line, to keep us straight. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is where the presence of God dwelt at. And inside of there was the Ten Commandments. Well, we know that the Scripture says that God does not dwell in temples made with hands, but what He does is He dwells in these temples of our bodies. And the commandments per se, not the Ten Commandments simply, but the, the general precepts of God, the statutes, we carry them in our heart. We are the priests now who carry that ark around in our heart. Further additions were made to this book of God's words. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. God commanded Isaiah, And now go write it before them on a tablet and inscribe it in a book that it may be for the time to come as a witness forever. Once again, God said to Jeremiah, write it in the book, all the words that I have spoken over you. Jeremiah 30, 36, 27 through 31. In the New Testament, Jesus promises his disciples that the Holy Spirit would bring to their remembrance the words which Jesus had spoken. And lastly, Paul can say that the very words he writes to the Corinthians are a command of the Lord. Once again, it must be noted that these words are still considered to be God's own words, even though they're written down mostly by human beings and always in human language. Still, they're absolutely authoritative and absolutely true. Again, to disobey them or disbelieve them is a serious sin and brings judgment from God. Several benefits come from the writing down of God's words. First, there is a much more accurate preservation of God's words for subsequent generations. To depend on memory and the repeating of oral tradition is a less reliable method of preserving these words throughout history than is their recording of writing. That's Deuter Deuteronomy chapter 31. Second, the opportunity for repeated inspection of words that are written down permits careful study and discussion which leads to better understanding and more complete obedience. That's what we're doing. Repeated inspection of words that are written down, and it permits us careful study and discussion, which leads to better understanding and more complete obedience. Third, God's words in writing are accessible to many more than they are when preserved merely through memory and oral repetition. They can be inspected at any time by any person and are not limited in accessibility to those who have memorized them or those who are able to be present when they are recited orally. So what's the focus of the study, of learning? What is the Word of God and the different understandings of the Word of God, the different forms of the Word of God? What is the focus of understanding all of that? It's a, it's a form of God's Word that is available for study, for inspection, for repeated examination, and a basis for mutual discussion. It tells us about and points us 
to the Word of God as a person, namely Jesus Christ, whom we do not now have present in bodily form on earth, thus we're no longer able to observe and imitate His life and teachings firsthand. Now, the other forms of the Word of God are not suitable as the primary. And notice that it's italicized because though they may hold some truth, they're not the primary means of what we're to do. They're not the primary basis for the study of theology. We do not hear God's words of decree and thus cannot study them directly, but only through observation of their effects. Observation is a key word in everything that we do in Christianity. I think I was talking with somebody on Sunday and, and, and we were talking about that, how someone can try to justify a certain teaching of God. And I mean, they will push and pull and then some. But then there comes a point where all you got to do is stop, just back up and look at their life. Their life will tell the truth of what they're trying to show you. And a lot of times it doesn't line up. God's words of personal address are uncommon even in Scripture. Furthermore, even if we did hear some words of personal address from God to ourselves today, we would not have the certainty that our understanding of it or memory of it and our subsequent report of it was wholly accurate. See, what somebody comes and tells you that God told them, how do you know it was exactly worded like that? How do you know that it really went down like that or vice versa? There's no really sure way of understanding it. But if we stick to solely Scripture, then we can know why. Because, well, we believe it by faith. We made it clear last week, right? As believers, we have to understand that this word is infallible. There's no error. There's no mistake. Yeah, there was different authors, but we know that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And men were moved to write down these words. Nor would we be ready available to convey to others the certainty that the communication was from God, even if it was. God's word is spoken through human lips, ceased to be given when the New Testament canon was completed. Thus, these other forms of God's words are inadequate as a primary basis for study and theology. It's most profitable for us to study God's words as written in the Bible. It is God's written word that he commands us to study. That's the final blank that we fill in, right? It is God's written word that he commands us to study. Have you ever noticed that? We don't study uh, prophecy. We don't study what so-and-so did or said that this is what's going to happen, right? Somebody says, okay, Donald Trump's going to win too. But that's not what we study. Those aren't our studies. Or somebody even prophesies that you're going to be a preacher five years from now. We don't go home and study that. Or they, whatever they prophesy, we study the Word of God. Because that's what's going to lead us. That's the roadway. That's the, the pathway. Now, again, I won't stand here, and, and I won't say that God can't speak to us through a said individual. Why? Well, because when I read Scripture, Scripture says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God spoke through believers. God, God spoke through a donkey. 
Why can't he still even to this day even speak? I've actually had uh, words that I can honestly say uh, if they weren't inspired by God, I don't know by who that come from unbelievers. The thing is, though, is it sound? Does it line up with scripture? Does it line up with what you're what's going on in your life? Now, you, again, you have you have people on this side who are just going to receive any and every words. They're like that little toddler that's crawling that they just see everything and they want to pick it up and put it in their mouth. Every single thing, they want to grab it and put it in their mouth. That's how there is with this side, that they just want to get every word that they see on TV, on, on radio, everything, and just put it in their soul and, and, and grab onto it. But we know that it's harmful. It's not good. We don't let our toddlers put everything in their mouth. And then there's some on this side that say, oh, no, no, God doesn't speak at all anymore. He just speaks through here. Well, I'll agree with that. This is the main thing. This is what we study. But can God still speak to someone today? Absolutely, he can. God is a spiritual God. God is not natural. God is not like you and I. And if God spoke through an unbeliever or a donkey, if he used unbelievers as his servants, why wouldn't he be able to do it uh, to, to get it done today? The thing is, is that, is it sound when we line it up with Scripture? Again, now yeah, what they said, that just doesn't even line up. Okay, so then, but even at that, again, Put it on ice. Let it chill. Is it going to hurt us? Just let it chill. If it is of God, it'll come to pass. If it's not of God, it's not going to come to pass. So what does it matter? The problem is we can't put our focus on what somebody tells us. We put our focus on God. And yes, we are commanded to study. That's what we do on Sundays. That's what we're trying to do is go deeper in, in the understanding of, of systematic theology so we can put it to the Scripture and I am a firm believer that this is, this is the, main, the, main, the, the main route of study. See, m many people, they want a word. I, I, I've had them come to me. Hey, brother, you got a word for me? You got a word for me? You got a word for me? I know I don't I got nothing for you. <laughs> they want it and they want it. And, and I'm, you know, I, I operated in that error. I'm not going to just say that I did, and I'm not going to act like, oh, yeah, I know all. No, I operated in that error, so I understand. But the thing is, is that these people just want to hear good things. Now, you take this for whatever it is worth, for whatever you want to take it, but this one individual kept on asking me, you got a word for me, brother? You got a word for me? Finally, you know what I did one day? I, I sat in my time with God. And without even acknowledging, I got something in my heart that I just, this, no. Okay. And I couldn't suppress it. I couldn't suppress it. So I said, okay. But see, I didn't quickly run to her and say, God told, God told me to tell you this. I just put it on ice. And then an opportunity came where this individual came and she said, Hey, brother, you got a word for me? It's funny that you asked me that. Because I feel something upon my heart when I was praying for you the other day. And actually, what I feel that uh, the Lord is, is, uh, is showing to me is that you still have to endure some brokenness. Oh, she 
just about came unglued. What do you mean? I've already went through all kinds of hell in my life and brokenness. That's you asked me if I had a word. I wasn't seeking for a word. This is what I received in my heart. You know, this person today is a is a Christian. Is still going through hell. Because, see, we need to endure sometimes brokenness so that we can be put back together the way God wants us to be put back together. See, this says that the word of God is a witness against us. So if we claim to live by it and we don't do it, then basically what we're doing is leaving an open door. And basically, let's just be up front. The Bible says we open up the door to that cursing in our own lives. And so this is exactly what's happening. But see, she didn't want to hear that. Now, if I would have told her, oh, the Lord said that um, you're fixing to be blessed and highly favored and this is going to be a good year. Oh, she would have said, oh, man, great. She would have loved it. And, and, and it wasn't that I was trying to find something to tell her. It wasn't just because she kept on asking me. But I believe that sometimes when you continue to seek and seek, God will give you that what you're speaking of. The only problem is it's not going to come exactly how you asked for it. You know, a lot of times uh, as women or men, we ask for a partner. I want a partner. I want a partner. I want a partner. And God will send that person. But see, we're expecting the, 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 the six-pack uh, muscular guy or the woman that just looks like a knockout. And you know what? Scripture tells us that God's not like you and I. He looks inside at the heart. He doesn't look at the outside of a person. But the first time, the first thing we're prone to do is look at the outside. Well, do they have the color of hair that I wanted or the color of eyes? And now nah, that couldn't, couldn't be God. That's not God. Right. And so what do we do? We end up in a relationship that now it's all messed up and it's toxic. And now we're saying, God, why? When it was our own doing, we've opened up the door to that. See, system, systematic theology, I know it sounds kind of sophisticated, but it, it's, not, it's not to create a, a sophisticated attitude, but it's meant to just bring someone to that deeper understanding. Remember that, that love letter that we have and we're, we're going after God and pursuing after Him. Uh, that person, some of you are married to Him right now. You know Him way better than you did when you first met Him. Right. That's the whole purpose of it. We're called to know God more. We're called to grow in grace. And sadly enough, there's 20 year old Christians that are still walking around like two year old toddlers. And, and, and I don't say any of that to be haughty. I, I don't. I don't. But somebody has to say it. We have to start somewhere. We have to start moving forward. Uh, yeah, I realize that that's not what's going to fill a church up. And honestly, I don't care because if this church gets filled, I want it to be by the Spirit of God, not because I'm saying something nice. Uh, to be that spiritual coach to help people to grow and to follow after God. Because that's what it's all about. I'm not doing this necessarily for anything else other than for God. And number two, yeah, there is a care for the souls of, of said individuals out there, all of you. Just like I would expect that there is a care for you, for my soul as well. But as I heard uh, Carter Conlon say one time to his congregation, you better hope that I love God more than I love you. Because a lot of ministers love their congregation more. And they cater to them more. And that's a dangerous thing to do. 
Now, I realize that uh, for many systematic theologies, it's, no, I want to go clap and praise and, 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 okay, if that's for you, and there's plenty of churches around here that you can find that at. But to find some root, right, to get a deep root in, in, in your faith and in your walk to be able to be in there firm when things begin to rise up and questions and doubts, no, it's okay, I'm rooted in Christ. I'm rooted in Christ then that's when you can stand and you can stand firm. Psalm chapter 1 says that the man is blessed who meditates on God's law day and night. And God's words to Joshua are applicable to us. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous then you shall have good success. See, there's, there's the key right there. There's the answer. Follow the words that are written in the book of God's word and you'll be prosperous. You'll have good success. It's the word of God in written, written form of scripture that is God-breathed and useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness. And in your handout, there is some questions for personal application there. Questions to ask yourself. Questions that I would encourage you to go home and sit down and ask yourself these questions. And answer them to yourself. Answer them before God with prayer. And we have a scripture memory passage. This is something that I encourage from here to next week. It's not something that we're going to recite back to one another. It's just something for your own benefit. Scripture memory passage. Where we, we just quoted uh, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I mean, I, I got excited when I saw that one because that's the scripture I have in my main living room is um, his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night. You meditate. Remember when we started that letter, you just go back and meditate. That's what we do with God's word. When you lay down, when you wake up meditating on it. And of course, we'll close with the reading of a hymn once again. Now, every week we're going to read a hymn, and the hymn is going to be pretty much placed there according to the subject that we have been talking about. So this one is going to be according to the Word of God. No, no singing. <laughs> it says, this hymn is a prayer asking the Lord to give us not physical bread, but spiritual nourishment from the bread of life. A metaphor referring both to the written word of God and to Christ himself, the living word. And it reads like this. Break thou the bread of life, dear Lord, to me, as thou didst break the loaves beside the sea. Throughout the sacred page I seek thee, Lord. My spirit pants for thee, O living word. Bless thou the truth, dear Lord, to me, to me, as thou didst bless the bread 
by Galilee. Then shall all bondage cease and fetters fall, and I shall find my peace, my all in all. Thou art the bread of life, O Lord, to me, thy holy word, the truth that saveth me. Give me to eat and live with thee above. Teach me to love thy truth, for thou art love. O send thy spirit, Lord, now unto me, that we may touch thine eyes, that, that he may touch mine eyes and make me see. Show me the truth concealed within thy word, and in thy book revealed I see thee, Lord. This writer sees the Lord God in this book. We see this word. We see God. We see Jesus Christ. But he's asking him to, be, to bless him the way he blessed the bread in the Sea of Galilee when he multiplied it. And what is the result from that? He says, when you do that, my bondage is going to cease and my fetters are going to fall. The chains that keep me bound up in life, they're going to fall off. The bondage is going to cease and I shall find my true peace. The bondage. It's not always Satan that's doing the bonding. It's the bonding because we want what we want. And so we go after it knowing that it's not good for us. And so it keeps us like fetters and like chains and it doesn't let us go. But when we have the true word of God, it begins to nourish us and it causes that to fall. And then we find true peace. Is that what we're seeking for? Is that what we could say this evening? I want the true peace of God. Forget the, the, forget the prosperity and all that stuff. I'll let God hand it out as he sees fit. But what I want now is peace in my life through the Prince of Peace. And that's going to come through this word. So that is uh, the doctrine of the word of God. Now you have the worksheet. You can go home. Look at all the scriptures. Look into it deeper. If you haven't by now, maybe some of you have already seen. Yeah, I can see where a lot of this said prophetic stuff is probably not lining up with scripture. People that are so quick to just want to say, I have a word for you. Or people that are so quick to say, my name is Prophet Adam. I'd say, tell them thank you, but no thank you. I mean, I know it's, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's, it's sad at the same time. What have become of the things of God? Because, again, Christians have allowed it to become. We can't do that anymore. The time is now for the sake, first of God's name, the sake of our children. God, we know that you are the living word. Jesus, we know that you are the logos, God. The word that is a living, breathing, active. God, you pierce the hearts of men. You're a discerner of souls. God, can we be so bold and ask you tonight, even as we go home, to be a discerner in our very own hearts individually. God, speak to us those things that you need to speak to us or show us or reveal. God, if you have to speak through a donkey, if you speak through your word, God, Lord, will you show us, God? As we read, let it instruct, let it teach, let it admonish, let it rebuke and correct us, God. 
A rebuke from you is always good and wonderful, God. Lord, may we hold true to your word. May we hold true to your only authentic word, the one that's been written down for thousands of years that you left for us. May we run to it, Lord, as we ran to that letter from our said loved one, God. May we run to the letter of your word, God, uh, with a pursuit to say, God, what do you have to say to me in your word today? May it create an excitement and a joy and a peace everlasting, God, that we may be able to take to others and share with others that when they hear our words, God, even if they remain silent, when we walk away, they see that our lives line up with it, God. Father, to you be all the glory, God. We thank you for this opportunity. We pray, Lord, that you would let it fall on the uh, tilled ground of our heart so that it can serve your purpose and not ours. Not a purpose for haughtiness, God, but a purpose, a purpose for more humility in our lives, God. Father, we thank you, God, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.